Welcome to Glass Talk, Canada's podcast for the architectural glass industry. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi everyone and welcome to Glass Talk. So I was looking at a uh, article in the Globe and Mail recently saying that building humidity may affect transmission of the coronavirus. And surprisingly, that it is lower humidity that apparently was associated with more transmission of the coronavirus. Uh, the science around this was uh, fairly uh, early stages, not, not well known for sure. But uh, that got me thinking, gee, maybe our industry, uh, the fenestration and glazing industry has some role to play in uh, protecting people from this awful scourge that has seen us all in our basements and uh, our businesses on uh, life support for, uh, for some time now. So I'm joined by Alex McGowan. Uh, he's with WSP in Victoria, beautiful Victoria, BC. And Alex and I had a nice conversation about uh, ASHRAE, the ASHRAE standards around humidity. Uh, talked about some strategies for uh, how the fenestration contributes to uh, humidity and uh, just uh, in, in general what, uh, what we could do maybe better to offer uh, control solutions that would uh, help people get the, the right level of, of humidity on their building interior. So very nice conversation with Alex and uh, I hope you enjoy. Okay, I'm with Alex McGowan from WSP. How are you, Alex? I'm doing fairly well, you know, all things considered, of course. Yeah, it's a weird time to be sure, isn't it? Yeah, we're all having to make adjustments on the fly and I guess this is gonna be the test to see who can adapt the best. Yeah, yeah. That, I think uh, I think Darwin said it wasn't the strongest of the species that survive. It's the one most amenable to change. So I guess we'll see if we're, <laughs> which category we're in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that could be a, a bias thing, though, considering that he's representing humans. Yeah. Hey, there you go. <laughs> exactly. So, um, Alex, what I want to do is, I, I, and first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to have got on with you. Uh, uh, Dave Heska uh, from the uh, Southwestern Ontario office here very kindly made this connection. Um, and, uh, and the way uh, David and I got talking was there was an article in the, in the Globe here recently suggesting that uh, the level of humidity in a building can actually influence the transmission of the coronavirus or other viruses generally. Uh, which is obviously on everybody's mind right now, and uh, and there were some statements in the in in the article to the effect that uh, uh, you know there is an ASHRAE standard for humidity, and uh, and that it doesn't uh, apparently a lot of buildings aren't meeting it. But I'll I'll get your opinion on whether whether that's true or not. Anyways, what exactly is the relevant ASHRAE standard here, and 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 what's its scope? Uh, there are actually two. I think um, ASHRAE standard fifty five is um, it considers occupant comfort. Okay. So it's they're normally they're talking about thermal uh, conditions, mm -hmm. so the appropriate temperatures and and so forth, trying to avoid radiant chill, trying to avoid uh, convective chill, like, like an induced draft that you can get from cold surfaces off of windows. Um, there's another one that's ASHRAE standard 62, which is divided into two parts: 62.1 and 62.2 for commercial and residential buildings, respectively. So, and that's the one that is a little bit more interested in specifically humidity levels, but all of those things interact and, and affect um, occupant comfort, perceptions of comfort. And what is the role of the uh, fenestration and the facade in, uh, in, in, in controlling that? Is it, is it mostly something that's addressed through your HVAC or, or is there a big role for, um, 
for the fenestration. In our world, we're moving beyond what's called building envelope into building sciences, which is the interaction of the building shell with all of the different components in the building. And so a lot of the choices, the design choices that you make in terms of windows and so forth can affect how the uh, ventilation system works, how the cooling and heating and, and how, uh, for that matter, the electrical system, the lighting in terms of daylighting. Mm -hmm. In the context of an interaction of the humidity levels and the windows, we typically find the problem is that there's too much humidity in the room, not too little. Mm. So I think where you had too little humidity, if that's a concern for COVID and so on, you could probably look at uh, trickle vents and that sort of thing to bring in some outside air, which, which may have a little bit more humidity in it if the building is too dry. And quite often the building is too dry in the wintertime because you've taken outdoor air and heated it up and not added any moisture to it. So, okay. you know, outside air is pretty dry. It, it doesn't have a lot of capacity, a lot of, a lot of latent capacity. That is to say, not a lot of moisture. Right. But normally, you know, when I'm called in quite often for litigation cases or to solve some problems in a building, it has to do with there's, there's too much humidity that people kind of point at the window and say, there's something wrong with the window. Um, quite often it's the ventilation system. So it's sort of the, the reverse of, of the, your question. It's that the ventilation system can help the performance of the windows a little bit more than the windows help the performance of the ventilation system. That's interesting. So, so um, where people might be blaming uh, that they th they think there's an air leak or uh, or they think there's wetter air getting in around the window, uh, a lot of times it's it's being introduced by the by the intake for the ventilation. Well, no, it's it's what people are doing in the room that's generating a lot of moisture. Um, ah. You know, cooking, showering. Mm -hmm. Some of them are breathing. Uh, we can't seem to break that habit but you know, <laughs> these days of course if you're having trouble breathing then <laughs> yeah yeah get into more. we all hope we're breathing yeah that's right so, so quite often that you're you're quite right that people will point at the window and say there's something wrong with the window look at how it's sweating mm. the the old time window reps you know they, they'll be called out to site to do some servicing and so forth and you know tell me what's wrong with this window i just paid a lot of money for um They'll go into the suite and kind of get a little scratchy and say, ah, oh, gee, I could use a glass of water. And so they'll, they'll bring a, a glass of cold tap water and set it on the table and then tinker away at the window for a little bit until the humidity in the room has a chance to do its thing. And then they look at the glass. Oh, look, the glass is sweating. Well, <laughs> clearly there's nothing wrong with the glass. I mean, it's, it's your glass. So, you know, given that the, the, the water in the glass has more or less come up to some some semblance of room temperature, it must be that there's too much humidity here and maybe we can solve that problem. Mm. And a lot of times you now have another sales job to convince people that it's the way they're operating their bathroom exhaust fans or the way the bathroom exhaust fan is designed or even the exhaust ductwork is designed that's causing a problem with the windows. Well, that's a message my uh, that's a message my glass guys are going to are going to like to hear for sure that it's at least not always their fault. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so some of them will preach it. And actually, uh, as you say, if, if you've got the window open a bit, that will tend to clear a lot of the, the condensation if that's the problem. And, right. and so introducing that outdoor air is generally in a Canadian climate, it's generally drier in a cold uh, environment, which is when you're having the condensation problems. And in the olden days, back when I was a kid, when everything cost a nickel, mm -hmm. um, we had what's called a sash block and you would flip this open. It was a wooden block usually attached to the, the bottom part of a window sash. 
and there were three holes drilled through the the frame of the sash and that would allow the outdoor air to come in and that's very dry air so it would clear away the condensate the frost or what have you now of course that's outdoor air where i grew up was minus 40 so you had to crank up the thermostat these days we wouldn't take that approach so much it's right. not necessarily a good use of, of resources so you have to be a little more careful about how you're designing the window in concert with the ventilation system and the heating and cooling systems so all of these things kind of have to be considered at all of a piece but unfortunately that's not really how they're designed yeah that was that was going to be my my next question was uh was there's obviously a tension here between the sort of energy efficient, very energy efficient uh, designs we're, we're attempting, uh, especially uh, one of the, you know, the early approach to that was, was NAFs and, uh, and, and really policing the uh, air water leakage uh, around the window frame was kind of a, I guess, I don't know, I'd call it an early stab at, uh, well, first of all, they wanted to resolve the leaky condo type problems, but, uh, you know, it was it was also a stab at, at trying to improve energy efficiency on the on the fenestration, but but now you know there's I guess it, it, that could be an issue that it's that it's raising right if we seal up uh, the interface uh, to the extent that we're we're able to, uh, we could possibly actually introduce this problem of the of the air being being too dry right in in, in the interior. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, you you then have to figure out. Okay, what are people going to be doing in the building and how am I going to design for that situation and how am I going to improve their comfort mm -hmm. in, in terms of temperature and humidity? Do I have to add humidity? Do I have to remove humidity? Mm -hmm. And, you know, this, this article in, in the Globe that's, that's talking about potential concerns for, you know, disease vectors might say, well, we have to add humidity to a certain point, but then we also have to make sure that our window has... The appropriate thermal performance so that all that moisture we're adding doesn't just condense out onto the window and now the room is dry again. Are we sealing up buildings too much, Alex? Uh, or like has it has it gone has it gone farther than it than it needs to? Uh, I, I remember um, in in one of the NAFs discussions I was at um, an old uh, an old door prehanger uh, was in the audience and the guy got to the end of his presentation and this guy put up his hand and he said, um, "I'll tell you why the buildings." leak these days he says because you can't suck water through a six inch pipe but you can suck water through a straw so <laughs> yeah so maybe his 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 theory was that we'd sealed up the buildings too tight and the air pressure was now not equalized on the outside and the inside and uh and, and so you had a you had a negative pressure problem where you were sucking you were you were sucking the water under the sill of the doors and around the doors and and everywhere else i can see where it could get that tight i think probably the old uh the, the rule of thumb that came out of the 70s and, and our efforts to make buildings more energy efficient uh they called it build tight ventilate right which mm -hmm. means once you've tightened up the building okay now you know all the people inside will die if they don't get fresh air so you have to bring in air fresh air and typically now that's done uh, with an HRV or an ERV. So in, in an old style, let's say multi-residential apartment block type or, or different sort of uh, link residences, they would supply air to the corridors and just basically blow all that air through. And because the buildings were leaky, it would just diffuse out and, and you know, 
the, the pressurized corridors would push the air out through the, the wall assembly, that would tend to increase some problems with condensation on the windows as well. Mm. But now when they have individual units have their own HRVs, then you can control a lot more what's going on in terms of the moisture load and the, the ventilation load and so forth. Okay. Um, it's also become important when we consider um, moisture transfer from room to room or from unit to unit in a multi and uh, odor transfer, vapor transfer, those kinds of things. So, you know, we have legalized marijuana in Canada now. So mm. if, if your neighbor's enjoying his favorite herbal cigarettes, mm -hmm. there's, there's an increased concern to provide a tight assembly for that reason, hmm. because it's not just, you know, I can smell this guy's cooking over on this side, or I can smell that guy's, you know, whatever he's doing on that side, but it's like, suddenly, you know, I'm feeling a vibe that I need to go eat some potato chips and I can't feel my feet anymore. So you have to, you know, seal up everything kind of inside the building, but now you have to, again, it's, it's this whole unitized approach. You have to consider the ventilation system and you have to consider the moisture levels and, and all of those sorts of things. And this, like I say, this article may add another dimension to all that consideration. What strategies have you seen from, uh, from I, I mean, how often does it come up with facade, uh, the facade side of the building um, that, uh, that this ASHRAE standard is, is something they have to, they have to address? And, uh, and, and, and what strategies have you seen from, uh, from facade people to, to try to get, get the humidity right? Well, yeah, I think codes are changing. Um, they, they haven't pushed as hard as they could with uh, ASHRAE standard 62. Um, except in the southern states where they're trying to control humidity issues. Again, they've got too much humidity in the, in the, in the deep south and so on. But mm. um, I think up here, there's been the push to try and make sure that everybody's getting enough fresh air. And because that air is typically dry, um, drier than you want it to be, not necessarily for COVID reasons, but for reasons of, you know, people are getting nosebleeds, they're getting a lot of static electricity. And computers, of course, don't like static electricity. Mm. Um, so there's there's a concern that you have to meet those requirements. ASHRAE standard 62 provides you with some guidelines. And I mean, in general, the ASHRAE suite of, of design guides will provide you with those sorts of guidelines about how can you get enough moisture into your air so that people aren't having, I mean, COVID related problems, but also just other general health related problems. You know, like I say, nosebleeds, right. um, dried out nasal membranes, which maybe that's the mechanism. Maybe that's why they're seeing if, if there is a concern about more COVID transmission, maybe it's because the natural protective mechanisms of nasal membranes, you know, how your nose gets runny when you mm -hmm. have a, a virus, that's your body trying to get rid of the virus. So maybe that's the issue. I don't know. I'm not a medical guy, but. Yeah, I, I, I it, it certainly, like they even mentioned it in the lead of the article, it seems counterintuitive that, uh, that, that lower humidity would be associated with possibly worse transmission of the, of the virus. But then again, Hey, I, you know, the medical professionals say that's how it works. I guess that's how it works. Um, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. I think they're still learning stuff too. <clears throat> yeah, I, th I think so. And I think it changes. I think it changes from from disease to disease. You know, if this becomes more of a top of mind concern, do you think? Uh, do you think this fellow was was correct in the article saying that uh, uh, about only five percent of buildings uh, would comply with ASHRAE sixty two? Uh, I think at the moment that's probably true because in a lot of cases they haven't been required to. Yeah. And, and people haven't seen all of the benefits of those things. And of course, when you are introducing another level of regulation or requirement or, or design guide or whatever, you're introducing cost. Yeah. 
And if your consideration is to minimize capital costs, the first cost of, of building the thing, then you're kind of, okay, just, you know, spare me the frills. I just need a building that makes sure people don't get wet when it rains. Hmm. Um, and they can keep fairly comfortable when it's cold outside. So now you get into some of these other things. As we make buildings more and more complicated, as we start to, you know, consider things like the wise and, and uh, you know, prudent resource, uh, use of natural resources, then, okay, well, that has, that brings in these other considerations, like I say, about ventilation. Um, and then that brings in other things about thermal comfort. And you're starting to get to a different level of what do you mean by the high performance building? Do you mean a building that doesn't use a lot of energy? Or do you mean what I like to think of the people inside the building can perform at their best level, whether right. that's enjoying a residential space or if they're in a commercial space, they're doing some work or something, they can be the most efficient that they're working because they're comfortable and because, you know, they're at the right lighting levels and they're at the right ventilation levels and the, you know, the window is, is allowing them fresh air or the ventilation system allows them fresh air. Um, they're not getting induced draft from windows. They're not getting radiant chill from windows. All of those things kind of contribute to make the individual to be the high performance person they can be. And of course, anything we can do to prevent COVID, well, that, that obviously affects performance. Yeah, it's obviously a bonus. So if I'm out there as a glazing contractor or a facade fabricator trying to uh, trying to do maybe do some design build, maybe uh, uh, help out with uh, with with what I'm going to be offering product wise, I want to be talking. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong about 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 some vents, about some uh, possibly operable windows, uh, about um, just uh, like you say, maybe maybe some different design on the sash that allows some allows some more air transmission. And and then maybe controllable elements of all that, right? I, I mean, maybe you, maybe you need it in an advanced sort of building. I, I guess where price isn't or not isn't a, a problem. Uh, you you want? I know some of the green buildings, passive house buildings, that kinds of things have uh, have sensors, you know, and 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 they'll adjust uh, the fenestration for for different conditions. I don't know any anything to add to that list, Alex, or am I off base? No, that's right. And, you know, when you're designing a building like um, there's, there's the lead design guide, you mm -hmm. get points for allowing people to control their environment. Mm -hmm. So operable windows where they can, you know, operable ventilation system, uh, lighting system, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, there can be too much control. Sometimes you find that when you have a fairly tight building, I'm thinking about the R2000 program, which used to be sort of the gold standard for Canadian housing. Yeah. Um, very, very airtight building, not as airtight as, as um, passive house, but, but pretty tight and with an HRV inside. And because it's the building is so tight, it's actually very quiet. Hmm. And a lot of cases, if you're sitting inside a building that's very quiet and there's an HRV running in the basement, you hear it. Hmm. And so people go downstairs and unplug the thing. So now you're not getting any fresh air. So they have to figure out a way to, to kind of remove that part of the control from the occupant because they may do some things that are not in their best interest. That was the story I heard about about R two thousand, which which occurred occurred at a time in my life when I wasn't very concerned about houses or housing, uh, just uh, <laughs> living in them. But but uh, yeah. I I know I heard I heard after the fact that uh, yeah there were there were a lot of complaints about about how well again like you say maybe maybe there were faults in the ventilation system, but you know. It, they felt the houses were sealed up too tight and, 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 you know, there was no, there was no airflow and there was no, uh, you know, it was very stale and dry and 
and all yeah, that. if you if you shut off the ventilation system, then yeah, it's going to be pretty pretty darn stale. Yeah, it would get yeah, it would get stale pretty quick in those uh, from what from what I was told. That's then you weren't supposed to do that. So yeah, yeah. So keep yeah, let, let, leave your leave, leave your furnace on. But of course, the old the old farmer didn't want to do that, Alex. That, that that's yeah. cash money going out the going out the door <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in <know>. your furnace. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, listen. Uh, this has been really informative, and uh, and and I want to thank you very much for uh, for joining in here today. And uh, you know, let's uh, let's uh, let's. Uh, I guess we'll I'll get, try to get all my guys out there uh, selling uh, anti-COVID building fenestration. <laughs> <laughs> Good thinking. Now it's been my pleasure, Patrick. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for listening to Glass Talk. You can find this episode at glasscanadamag.com or on the major podcasting services. Glass Talk is a presentation of Glass Canada Magazine and Annex Business Media.